Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right. A very happy January Friday, everybody. Welcome in. It is On the Clock, a production of Phillies 24-7 and Sports Radio WIP. Hello, I'm Ben Kenny. As always, it is a Friday. It's cold out. There's snow on the ground for the first time in two years. So I at least we've gotten a taste of winter, right? We've lost all hope of having a real baseball winter. The winter meetings happened. You got the big signings with Otani and Yamamoto. But we didn't have a true hot stove. The hot stove obviously is supposed to happen when it's cold outside. I think that's the whole point. Now it's actually cold. Don't have said hot stove. But we are a month, one month away. Maybe a couple days less because I prepped this show a couple days ago. One month until pitchers and catchers as of sometime this week. So, yeah, the Eagles just choked away their season. And there's other stuff going on in the city. But we're a month away from actual real Phillies discussions and real games. And not just the projection that, I mean, I've done a lot and I enjoy doing. I like talking about the games. So we're getting closer. It's a lot closer than I think a lot of us realize. I think many people, at least in the Philadelphia area, if you're listening here, dealing with the snow or trying to. I can speak from experience. And I I mean this to come off in the best way possible. I've lived in a place in Madison, Wisconsin, that is one of the best, I think, at managing snow. Like the money they have in the state or city budget, they're just great at it because they get reps at it all the time, all winter, just constant snow. It snows two feet and, I mean, nothing's closed. Everybody goes about their day normally. I was do I do radio remotes from hour away and driving through a massive snowstorm. It's just what they did out there. Here, I don't know if everybody's as well prepared. And maybe that's just the two years of not really managing it. So that's what I think everybody's brains are caught up on. Mine is caught up on the Phillies, believe it or not. That's why I host the show. It was actually an interesting show to prep. And we have a lot to get to today. I'll set it up. There is some latest rumblings Phillies related that we'll get to. There are some moves around Major League Baseball. A lot of rumors. A lot of maybe this is going to be the domino that makes things actually start dropping. And a big news in terms of television, a story we've been following. I'll touch on that later. But I wanted to start, Rob Thompson spoke with the media. Like we're a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. We're actually starting to get the beat writers down at the stadium tweeting pictures. In this case, it's of a snow-covered field. But that makes it feel a little more real. And I do think we actually have some real things to discuss. Because unlike me, just throwing out my thoughts, including the fact that Maybe Johan Rojas shouldn't make the roster and where the team has to improve. Thompson was actually asked these questions. So that's where I want to start today, generally speaking. I just have takeaways from his media. Now, if there was more production value, I probably would have had somebody cut up all the answers. If it wasn't right after the Eagles choked in the playoffs, maybe they would. None of it was big news in that it went viral on Twitter and the whole sports world's talking about it. This is much more so if you're really into the day-to-day Do we read into these things or do we not? That's the question. I just have takeaways from the media. That's what I want to start with here. So, number one, and this isn't as organized as it should be. I do have big thoughts at the end. But number one, the questions I thought mattered, which i that's how I usually go through press conferences. He was asked about improvements, about improvements to the roster. And he said, there are a lot of players out there waiting to move. Usually one to two guys out there that will trigger everyone else. That's probably what will happen. As far as we're concerned, our number one goal was to bring Aaron Nola back and then improve around the edges. And there's still a lot of players out there, so we'll see what happens. So the question here, and that was pretty much a direct quote, maybe one or two words. So the question was, you know, are you banking on the roster continuing to get better? Is this going to be what you enter the season with? Do you need to see more improvements? 
it sounded like a guy, his answer, that knows that a move is coming. But he also sounded like someone who knows it's not a move that I think everybody would consider big. There was a little smile in there. He's like, yeah, you know, um, number one goal is to bring Nola back. I think everybody realized that. It was, it's what they did first. It's what the focus was. And then afterwards, they haven't been forced into other actions. Missing out on Nola would have forced them into other actions to make up for what they had lost. Now they don't need to do that. And as I've discussed endlessly, the market is not all the way done. And by not all the way done, it's more like, what, it's halfway done? Some of the big stars are gone. A couple targets are gone. Most of the people are still out there because of how slow moving this offseason has been. So he said, and there's still a lot of players out there, so we'll see what happens. I just, the way he came across was somebody that knows Dombrowski will do something. And if you've listened to this show, my thoughts on it are very clear. I don't think they can enter the season with an outfield trio of Marsh, Pache, and Rojas for two positions. I don't think you could do that. Maybe Marsh and Rojas, but then you need another guy. You need a not Pache. Pache and Rojas, to me, right now are the same player. They occupy the same position. They're really good defensive replacements late in games that are valuable, don't get me wrong, and they have a ways to go offensively if they're going to really play every day or be a platoon. But you would never platoon Rojas and Pache because they're the same player. It's the same idea. Instead, you'd platoon a lefty like Marsh with a good-hitting righty. It's what they did in the playoffs with Pache. I just, I'm not sold on the guy being a big offensive player. So, I mean, Marsh is a lock. It's a question of what you do with the other spot. I think they have to go out and get a left fielder and maybe keep Pache up there to be the defense guy. I would send Rojas down to get more at-bats, and Thompson talked about that. But my point is, there's a very clear area of improvement on the team. It's clear as day. It's in the outfield. It's a bet that can be productive. And there are also a lot of guys still out there that fit that criteria. And Thompson knows that. And I, I think he's talking with Dave Dombrowski. And they both know that something's going to get done. That they can't just they can't enter the season with what the roster's like now. It was good, but I mean you can't you can't just overlook the areas that can and um, maybe need to be improved. So there's that. Improvements to the roster. Number two, on pitching depth. He was asked about going into the season with the depth they have now, starters, rotation. Because Nebrowski had said that pitching depth, generally speaking, is a priority. Thompson said this, quote, Yes, that's still my understanding. Because you'll go through, typically, you'll need eight or nine starters over the course of the year. Most teams do anyway. So, if you look at it right now, and that was the quote. This is now my color to it. If you look at it now, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, Chris Sanchez. That's five. Now, there are guys in the minors, some of whom have gotten spring training invites. We will touch on them because that also dropped. But that's a need. You could still look at the top five, and if you feel good about it or not, whatever. Everybody hates Taiwan Walker. I don't like the guy. I accept him as a guy that, I mean, can eat innings when needed. And you need guys like that on your team. So worst case is that's the role he plays. They need more than that, though. They need more than that. There's always those guys that come up that you don't really expect much from that end up having to play a big role. Chris Sanchez was that last year. But when you speak of possible additions in the free agent market, that's another thing Thompson is pointing towards as you could love the top five of the rotation. But that's not it. That's not what we're going to be able to just go into the season with. So that's another place we could see a move. In the bottom end of the rotation. The problem is here, everybody needs pitching. And, I mean, some of the teams are more desperate than others. Look at what the Royals have done with Waka and Seth Lugo. $100 million to Seth Lugo. The Giants made a move for a certain reliever that they're turning into a starter. Everybody needs pitching. So if you don't need it, and you don't want to give it up as much for it as other teams, then you're not going to end up signing these players. So it's a question of where that comes from, where the depth comes from. It might come from the minors. It might come from the free agent market. We'll see. But that's another piece. Number three, on the bullpen, quote, if nothing happened, meaning no moves, I would be happy with where we're at. We still have the Brogdon and Bilates and Martes 
and Ortiz's down there that have helped us out in the past. I do like our depth. So that's a like when Thompson spoke of the pitching, starting pitching depth, it really pointed me more towards thinking he needs them to make a move. They can't just enter with those five. They need better, more quality depth. And maybe it's a more fringe ancillary move. The bullpen, he came across as a lot more confident in that group. Now, remember, part of the reason the bullpen was good last year is because I believe the Phillies had the most innings pitched of their, uh, from their starting rotation and significantly more than your middle-of-the-pack teams, which kept the bullpen fresh. It allowed them not to be overexerted and used in really the places they should be used. So him talking about the bullpen in this way makes me at least feel that he is confident about where it is. And, I mean, some of the guys like Brogdon and Bellotti, those are two examples. Marte, Junior Marte, he could make a big step. The Kirkering thing is big, and there was an answer on him later. But if you had to say, okay, what do, what do I think Thompson looks at as a bigger position of need right now, if you just look at the roster, despite the top-end starting pitching and good rotation, five of them, I think he looks at the starting rotation as a huge need, uh, or just pitching depth in general, as compared to bullpen depth, where he might like the pieces. Now, that really points us away from Josh Hader which is good news. No hater. Never needed, not worth the money. It could still mean they're going after others, and there's some notes on Naris I'll get to later. But a lot of those bullpen arms are also starting to get taken up, getting signed, and the Phillies haven't done it. I would be okay with entering with this, with this bullpen, generally speaking. I would like maybe one more arm. But it's not going to be a high leverage arm. It's not going to be one of those top-of-the-market guys. So then what's really the difference? But he seemed confident with how things stand right now. Um, number four, this is the big one. This is actually the one that I look into the most. Rob Thompson on Johan Rojas and him starting with the Major League Club. Quote, it can work from our perspective because it worked last year at the end of the year. What we are really looking at is what's best for Johan. Is it best for him to be here if he is not swinging the bat well? Or is it better for him to go down and get 300 at-bats at AAA, and then come back up. End quote. So some could look into that and say, oh yeah, obviously, if he's not swinging the bat well, you want him to get reps at AAA. That is the surface level. If you didn't want to read into it or attach your own thoughts to it, that is what one would think, listening to that quote. Now, I don't disagree with the fact that it worked last year. He was... I mean, down the stretch of this season, not the postseason, the stretch of August and September, really valuable. Obviously, great defensive replacement. He would be on my roster if it was only about defense. But we saw in the playoffs the importance, or I guess what a what having a pitcher, for lack of a better term, at the bottom of your lineup does. And that's what he was. So I read into this and say, okay, what do I think I know? I think Johan Rojas is not ready offensively to be on a major league club every day. I think he'll get exposed. I think the best way to do it is to have him down in the minors to get reps and get better. And Thompson saying that kind of confirms to me, given my prior thoughts on Rojas entering the season, Rojas will be in camp unless he goes crazy in spring training, like absolutely crazy, like that one year of Scott Kingery then I think he's starting the year in the minors. I don't think Johan Rojas is going to make this team. So consider that an official prediction of the show. It's just, I don't want to read too much into what Thompson says, but that's something where if you pair common logic, what he's saying, and a projection, I think Rojas starts in the minors, which would mean, again, Pache, there's your defensive guy, and it would mean Marsh plays center, and it means you go out to get a left fielder which goes back to an improvement. And Thompson knowing there are still players out there and feeling confident that uh, a move's going to be made. Number five, Orion Kirkering. This goes back to the bullpen. Thompson said, uh, paraphrase, high hopes, high expectations. He said, quote, he could be special. Now, he actually heaped praise upon Kirkering that, like, extended praise, like praise praise, not just, you know, valuable part of our team, blah, 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 coach speak. No, he was really out there praising the guy 
as a potential lethal part of the bullpen. Like the the lights got bright a little bit too much in the Arizona series, and that one game was a disaster. They shouldn't have put him out there. Um, probably shouldn't have put him out there at the end of game two, to be honest. It gave the Diamondbacks a beat on him. But if you look at how untouchable he was when he came up, I mean, yeah, that's a potential back-of-the-bullpen piece that will kind of get overlooked, I think, when the team gets previewed. You know, Alvarado, Saranthony, Soto, all those guys. Hoffman in a contract year. All those guys, I mean, a bunch of them also, weren't really relied upon entering last season. It shows you how much changes from the start of a year to the end. Jeff Hoffman, Kirkering, we had no clue who those guys were. Dylan Covey even. And he wasn't the best pitcher, but the guy played a big role on the team, we'll say. And then you look at where we are now. So the projection's hard. And they could go in with this group and it could change in a second. Injury happens. Some guy comes up from the minors. But the way Thompson talks, Kirkering is going to be on the team. That's a lock. I think he's going to play a big role. I think Kirkering is going to be one of their back-end guys. And that is back to Thompson's confidence in the bullpen. So, I mean, hopefully it's a blossom year. And it's not a, the batters adjust and then we wonder if he can get out kind of year. So that's that. They're starting fast. This is a note that I liked because we've talked about it on this show. Rob Thompson uh, on starting faster this year than they have in the previous years. Now, two years ago, it was Girardi. So the question more was starting faster this year compared to last year. And he said, quote, a lot had to do with circumstances. Three World Baseball Classic guys didn't get a lot of at-bats. They didn't have Harper. uh, Reese got hurt. Ranger they didn't have at the World Baseball Classic. Not going to reinvent the wheel but some things around the edges we'll look at. Now, that last part had to do with practice and how they approached the season. He said he pretty much blamed, and I agree with him. He's right. It's not an excuse. The reason the team started slow last year, aside from just weird, weird phenomena like Trey Turner stinking and a couple of those, but the reason they started slow was because Ranger got banged up in the World Baseball Classic and started slow to the season. Reese Hoskins was out. Harper was out. And, I mean, Turner's part of that. Like, Turner couldn't hit for months. So if you look at all of those factors and all the star players that couldn't play last year or weren't good, and then now it's a full spring training. It's not that weird, abrupt one they had, which clearly affected, again, a lot of the players. It's a full spring training. I think they're going to start fast. I think they're going to start with the urgency of a team that looks like they need to win the division and that thinks they do, knowing that the Braves are right there, I don't think it's just going to be a concession like it's been the last couple of years. And he's confident in that, and he's right. The reason they started slow were a lot of outside factors. It wasn't necessarily the things that he as a manager did wrong or that was done wrong by, by others. Um, a couple more, real quick. If Rojas struggles, do they feel good in the outfield in terms of depth and production? This goes back to a conversation we just had, but it really accentuates, I think, my point. Quote, no, because we have Pache, we have Cave, and there's a whole bunch of players out there on the market. A lot of things happen right before spring training. Our spring training invites our down because we know people will just fall out of the sky. End quote. Obviously, somewhat joking at the end, but seriously, Thompson is directly talking like a guy And it doesn't take a genius to know this, but this is how I read into his comments. He's talking like a guy that knows you can't rely on Rojas to make the roster. Pache could be valuable, defensive, whatever. But there's a glaring hole. There are a lot of players out there on the free agent market that could fit that hole. And there will be a move. There will be a move. So that gave me confidence. The way he spoke, he wasn't speaking as if the job was locked down by Rojas and signing a guy would really hurt his development No, he was speaking more of someone that knows, okay, we're going to get a vet in here. It just hasn't happened yet. So that was, I was happy to hear him talk like this. I was. Um, And the last one, my favorite note, is Schwarber still your leadoff hitter? Quote, yeah, at this point, end quote. So there you go. Um, He ended up clarifying. He said, yeah, at this point, but then also clarified to say, yeah, but Trey can do it and Stott can do it. He didn't want to make the headline and to already name it which I don't know why. Schwarber's probably going to do it. But welcome to another year of Kyle Schwarber discourse.
Should he lead off? Should he not lead off? I think it's the most nonsense conversation about this baseball team. Out of a lot of things you could talk about, go back to last season. Like all this, th- there was praise for Taiwan Walker because he was winning games while giving up four runs in the first inning. I think the arguments I had to make that Aaron Nola was a more valuable pitcher, even that is a more palatable argument than should Kyle Schwarber hit leadoff? No, because his average is low. I hope we've moved past it. And listen, I in other sports, in basketball especially, I can't stand analytics in basketball. I get some of them are good for development and evaluation and whatever. But the way that we speak about the game in basketball, oh my God, his points per possession when backing down against this guy, against that isolation on this side of the court. It's like nobody, when they're watching basketball, is thinking about a player's points per possession when guarded by a certain person on the right wing. Nobody. Nobody is. Yet that's how suddenly everybody's discussed and evaluated. Like, Nick, but if you're a Sixers fan, and I apologize for the tangent, if you're a Sixers fan and you watch Nick Batum play, key blocks, always in the right place, making the right pass, it's like that guy's a valuable basketball player. I'd want him on my team any day of the week. But I don't know what his what those advanced things are. He doesn't score very much. I don't know what his VORP is. So in basketball, analytics like that suck. They suck. They take away from how the sport is talked about. In baseball, I argue, it's simple. And it's part of actually the way that we talk. We've always talked about batting average, which is an analytic, even though basic one. On base percentage, it's so simple. When Kyle Schwarber is up to bat, I am somewhat thinking about his on-base percentage. If the guy walks, it's like, yeah, his on-base is really good. It's a very easy way to think about the game. It doesn't work with other sports. It doesn't really work with the NFL. That's why it is like everybody just groups all of analytics into the same conversation. It's different. In basketball, it stinks most of the time, how it's discussed. In baseball, I think it is key, actually, to how we talk about these players. It is. Now, some of them might go a little too far, and you could not like some of them, but the concept of looking at a player's OPS and knowing his on-base and then also his slugging, so it's his power, and you just know the best guys when they're up there, Harper, on-base is incredible, and he hits a lot of doubles and homers. It's a very, it's not overly intuitive. It's very simple. Basketball, it's what's his VORP divided by the points per possession. Way too complicated and doesn't fit with the flow of the game. That's my point. So I'm excited to talk about Kyle Schwarber. So there you go. Um, Overall, thoughts from Thompson's thing that I've made clear. Big one. Sounds like a move's coming. Sounds like he is somewhat banking on it, and Dabrowski's going to do it. And with that, I would be surprised if Rojas makes the roster. That's the big note that I came away. The other is, I think he views starting pitching depth as a bigger need than bullpen. I think he likes where the bullpen is. Give or take maybe another arm, but not another high leverage, huge acquisition. Um, Kirkering could be a big answer. I think the team starts fast. So there you go. That's um, that's Thompson's availability. It was actually, I do a lot of the Eagles post-game work, cutting Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts' press conferences. And it's infuriating at times. Jalen Hurts, not fun to hear talk often. Nick Sirianni, I would argue the same. I enjoy listening to Rob Thompson speak. I do. While it is very dry, and sometimes you don't get what you're looking for, he is very courteous with the media. I think it's insightful hearing him talk. So it was good to get back into the into the flow of watching press conferences. Before we move on, before we get on to some of the Phillies happenings and rumors, Tim Kelly put this out. The Phillies spring training non-roster invitees. Some of these names maybe you haven't heard of, but there is one I want to highlight. Right-hander, Mick Abel, or excuse me, um, pitching. I don't know why it was evaluated like this. Whatever. Mick Abel, Ryan Burr, Griff McGarry, Tyler McKay, Tyler Phillips, Jose Ruiz, and Nick Snyder. Catchers, Aramis Garcia, Cody Roberts, William Simonite, I think. Infielders, Nick Podkull, and remember this name, we'll come back to it, Scott Kingery. Yes, he is still in the organization somehow. Outfielder Carlos De La Cruz, Matt Kroon, and Cal Stevenson. One point I want to make here. 
Obviously, there's no Andrew Painter. He's injured. But Painter, Abel, McGarry, top three of a farm system. There's all this conjecture about farm system rankings. And I pulled up, this is MLB Pipeline's mid-season one from last August. We'll get a new one in March. But number one is the Orioles. Yet I look through, and they've been, you know, number one for five years. And you see some of the guys come up, and they're good. But I look at the names. Jackson Holiday, infielder. Colton Kowser, outfielder. Heston Kerstad, outfielder. Kobe Mayo, infielder. Samuel Basalo, catcher. Jose or Joey Ruiz, infielder. No pitchers. All position players. I go to the Pirates, who are second. They actually have a lot of pitching. So that's... I would actually put the Pirates ahead of the Orioles because when you look at what is truly valuable in farm systems, and again, a lot has changed, but I'm trying to prove a point. I look at the Phillies' top three, and I'm not saying they have a better farm system than the Orioles, but when you what you value in a farm system when a big trade is being made. Notice a trade years ago, Michael Kopech from the Red Sox is a big piece with Moncada, to the White Sox for Chris Sale. Big piece. When a team trades a big pitcher, they want back a guy that can become that pitcher. They want young pitching. We talk about how desperate teams are for old pitching and pitching in general. There's a desperation out there for it. You need controllable young arms to get through a season, but also to have value in your farm system. So, While the Phillies farm system may rank in the 20s or in the low teens, the fact that their top three guys, Painter, obviously very well regarded. Hopefully he comes back full strength. But the point is, I have the Phil's prospect rankings up right now. Number one, Painter. Number two, Mick Abel. Then you have Justin Crawford, three. Aiden Miller, four. Number five, Griff McGarry. I want my farm system to look like that. I want to have high-end, controllable young pitching. If I want to make a big move, if I need guys to come up and help the team, I don't need a million, you know, really good Alec Bohms. Alec Bohms aren't going to win me World Series. I need top-end, controllable pitching. Not to slight Alec Bohm, but I hope you get the point. So I look at the spring training invitees and throw Painter in that mix because obviously he is um, part of the general system. That was one of the thoughts I had. And they're actually in a really good position. And I'm happy Dombrowski hasn't gutted the farm system yet. And he's shown an inclination that he might not do it. And that he's actually thinking about the future while managing the present. So that's good news. The other bit's Kingry. I mean, this is hilarious. The guy, I think this is like the first time I've ever seen this happen. Ever. Scott Kingry's uh, club option was denied in November. Which usually means you become a free agent. You sign a big contract. There's the year at the end. It's either a player option. It's up to them whether to stay or a club option. They were paying him like 14 mil a year. They denied or 10 mil a year. They cl- they deny the club option. And it doesn't mean he's a free agent because he is still in the final year of his original minor league contract he signed in 2015. It's like his big extension they signed after nothing still ran out before his old minor league contract did. So he's got another year of... You talk about club control, he's a year of club control getting paid nothing after like the biggest, it's the biggest pay cut ever without someone actually leaving or getting fired from a job or from a team. So that's, I mean, he'll be there. There's still, I wanted them to call him up, to be honest. Castro stunk. Rodolfo Castro totally stunk. Part of me was like, all right, call up Kingery. Let's actually get something going here. Give me a little right-handed infield bat off the bench. So there's the news. Um, I was going to talk about the Eagles. I don't think people want me to. There's the concept of panic and Sirianni panicking and how Thompson doesn't panic. But I think the general point can be proven and sent just with that sentence. So, all right, let's do this. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We will step away. We will come back. Latest rumors and rumblings when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies in the free agent market. There are big pitchers. Are they still in on them? There's a secondary pitching market and more. We touch on all of that coming up next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Ben Kenny here with you. It is on the clock. Welcome back. At Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter for those interested. Phillies 24-7. 94 WIP. Um, so nothing materially is happening at the moment. There are rumors and rumblings. I have them listed. And no, I mean, the biggest one. This actually came out on Friday, right after our show last week dropped. And we've spoken a ton about Blake Snell and about Jordan Montgomery, the two pitchers, the lefties on the market, and how I think, I think the only way the Phillies get them is if their market just totally disintegrates like Castellanos has did late in the process. The Phils swoop in. There you go. And Matt Gelb of The Athletic confirmed this. He said the Phillies will not pursue Snell or Montgomery, quote, barring an unforeseen market collapse. So I don't know where they're going. I don't know when it's going to happen. Again, I would like it to happen soon, but it's not going to happen here. If the team goes after pitching, which is the second note, which I think is a lot more interesting. John Heyman was doing his, you know, stream thing that he always does. And Snell and Montgomery were the first topic not coming here. That's what I add. That's what Gelb said. Heyman didn't say that. He then went on to talk about the rest of the starting pitching market and said this. That second-tier pitching market after Snell and Montgomery, again, Ryu, Paxton, uh, I'll throw Woodruff in there, even though he's an ace, went healthy, Lorenzen, I'm going to say that market is going to be lively in the next seven to 10 days. We're going to see some signings. Teams that are looking in that range include the Padres, uh, the Orioles, um, who else? Uh, Pirates, uh, Red Sox, Nats, uh, Mariners. I said the Orioles. So those are the teams looking at that second tier pitching market. And I do think that that market will start to heat up. I know we're less than a month to reporting dates in spring training. So uh, somebody's got to get going at this point because. All right, there you go. That's John Heyman from his Bleacher Report stream. And he did not say the Phillies, but he said the second tier pitching market set to heat up in the next seven to 10 days. I'm going to throw the Phillies into the mix because of what I've heard and what I think is still a sneaky area of improvement. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. Some of the guys he mentioned, James Paxton, Hyunjin Ryu, Michael Lorenzen, it's not going to happen with those guys. I mean, Lorenzen, honestly, even though his arm was totally cooked last year, a guy like him is an attractive option for this team. Somebody that can start when needed. You could go to a six-man rotation to keep guys fresh who can also go and pitch in the pen. If you give me a Lorenzen whose arm was somewhat alive, then yeah, that would work a ton. But I think I think they'll be active in it. A big name that nobody's talking about anymore is Brandon Woodruff, former Brewer, who is an ace. Like, top of the line. I think he's won a Cy Young, but total stud. He missed most of last season, came back right before the playoffs, and then now had something happen where he's going to miss all of this year. But you would be signing him here, I mean, to pitch for you in 2025 and beyond. That you would hope you can lock him up but he's somebody you could get a bargain on because he hasn't pitched in any of last season. He's not going to pitch in this season. 
So it's like a Hoskins situation. It's not a guy that's going to demand big money because he hasn't been durable for that. So that's another name. That might not, that's not going to help this year's team. But if you look into the future, that's a really attractive, sneaky move that could work. Again, you're signing a guy. The Brewers non-tendered him. When we speak of how do you acquire top pitching, everybody can say, oh yeah, trade for a guy. But then you're giving up a ton, a ton. And I mentioned those pitchers in the farm system. Those are the guys that are being shipped out of here. For Brandon Woodruff, you're signing a guy. The risk is money. Where if you're the Phillies and you're John Middleton, it's really not that much of a risk at all. The money's coming in. The interest is there. You just have to keep winning. The more winning will foster more business and all that. And you're fine television-wise. There's no excuse. No excuse at all. I would want them to definitely sign Woodruff if possible. So those are the big things. Rumors and news. Um, utility bad a priority. There hasn't been any guys really that have come off the board when it comes to that. There's also this from Matt Gelb. And this is going to kind of ruin the tease I had for next segment. But still, if you missed it, Jordan Hicks, the reliever that I have wanted, he's a former Blue Jay, a former Cardinal, throws 100-whatever, 103, 104, nasty stuff. That if you just add him to a bullpen of more nasty stuff, you hope you can work around the control and get him really dialed in and pitching well. I wanted him. Now the Giants signed him. Four years, $44 million. A lot of money. They signed him as a freaking starter. They signed Jordan Hicks as a starter. I don't... I mean, I was online. I was looking at the reaction. I don't really get this move at all. And I think a lot of people agree. The fa- You're trying to get a guy that couldn't even control the ball enough to be a reliable reliever. And you're trying to get him to start? If you max out at 104-105 and you could do an inning... How in the world are you then going to be able to do six to seven innings at that velocity or at that peak level of performance? The whole thing is it's going to either kill his arm if he keeps doing it at the veracity that he does, or he's going to have to throw slower, which will then impact, I think, his performance and the results of him being on the mound. So it was so weird. But the Giants signed Jordan Hicks, and then Matt Gelb, in a really good piece on Orion Kirkering that came out today, and it went to the discussion we had, Orion's going to be a big piece of this team. A really big piece. Maybe the future full-time closer for those that are into the primary closer and all that. Um, The Phillies viewed Hicks as a reliever. This is an excerpt from uh, his piece. The Phillies and Hicks had mutual interest, according to two major league sources, until the Giants offered him an opportunity to become a starter. The Phillies viewed Hicks as a reliever. He fit the template of almost every reliever Dombrowski has acquired since becoming the president here. Um, the Phillies are not believed to be shopping at the top of the reliever market, but if Dombrowski sees something he likes, they could pounce. Hicks was a guy, I mean, clearly they liked, but he's a guy that fits. Nasty stuff, again. And he got the offer to become a starter, but that does mean they are dipping into the waters at least a little bit, trying to find a good fit and trying to bolster the back end of the bullpen. So... Those are the Phillies rumors. That's really it. It's been quiet until that Thompson press conference. I don't know. There might be a deadline. Here's the thing. Deadlines do spur. Like when you get really close to the season, eventually these guys are going to sign. You would think, and I've been saying this for months, you would think it happened in the next couple weeks, right? I would think by the end of January, the Phillies have signed a left fielder and probably a reliever and maybe a starter. The latter two for depth, but we'll see. All right, I'm Ben Kenny. There's a larger conversation I want to have about the idea of innings eaters. It kind of goes back to organizational pitching depth and what the Phillies have gotten right. I might save that for next week because I do want to talk about the moves around baseball and Hicks is one of them. There was another somewhat big signing and another big rumor that does affect the team. An old friend. The price is apparently known. We'll get to all of that when we come back. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, we are back. Ben Kenny on the clock, 94 WIP, Phillies 24-7. If you're listening on podcast, review, subscribe, all that stuff. So I, I pull up my very trusted ESPN Plus tracker of free agent moves and trades as I've explained. The whole ESPN Plus thing is nonsense because when you actually, when your thing expires, they don't warn you, then you find out it's expiring the hard way. You're trying to read something. And then it takes about a week for it to process and get back. So it was a tough go of it for those weeks. I did not have it. I'm back though. ESPN plus is back just in time for golf, just in time for PGA tour live season. But the number one, um, and this is actually, let's go the other way. Um, we talked about Shoto Imanaga last week. The Yankees signed Marcus Stroman two years, 37 mil, not a huge, huge deal. Lengthwise, 19 mil seems like the going rate for pitching. Marcus Stroman feels like a guy that views himself a lot higher than the rest of the league views him. That's what I'll say. Um, I don't really get this fit, to be honest. First of all, he hasn't been super healthy recently, which is something the Yankees do need. He's not overly reliable, but I mean, the Yankees got Soto, right? They've made moves. They did not get Yamamoto or Otani, but more so Yamamoto. It's always funny to see what the next, what the plan B is. If the Yankees' plan B was Marcus Stroman, then, I mean, they're just not the Yankees, or they're not what I grew up knowing the Yankees to be. Those are the Dodgers, because they're actually getting the guys they want. I don't, like, Marcus Stroman cannot be a prime point of your offseason if you are a serious championship contending team. So that's that. Then there's the Giants signing Jordan Hicks as a starter. I think it's so stupid, to be honest. I think he's a really good pitcher and could work. But, I mean, come on. The Cardinals have tried it. It didn't work. I don't think it works with this guy. If it does, I'll be floored. But his walk rate is too high. He has two pitches. He doesn't. He's not like a 3-4 pitch guy. To get through starts consistently, you need to attack hitters different ways. If you're coming out of the bullpen and you see them once, then you just need dominant, nasty stuff. He is the latter. He is literally a typical reliever. I don't get why you would want him to try to have him start. I don't. And again, the velocity works for the role. I don't know if he can keep up the velocity in a starter role, and if he can't, then I think the results will end up being negatively affected. So, there's Hicks. The Blue Jays signed Yariel Rodriguez. Have you heard of him? No. Um, honestly, neither have I. He's a 26-year-old from Cuba who last pitched in Japan in 2022, where he had a good ERA. Four years, 32 mil. But this is the Blue Jays deal like this is just like the Yankees deal with Stroman. They missed on Otani hilariously. They got duped by, or Morosi got played, and then they got duped by Morosi. And... Now you turn around and the Blue Jays are signing a reliever from Japan or from Cuba that played in Japan, but they're not signing star players. This is the backup plan, which is a tough, really tough pivot, a really tough pivot. And it makes me think, it really leads me back and it makes me more thankful of the Phillies getting NOLA because I was scared, again, what the possible pivot would need to be. Do they have to pivot to Snell and pay him too much? Do they have to pivot to Montgomery or whoever? But we don't have to know what that looks like, thankfully. So those are the actual signings. Rumors. The Marlins, who are a poverty franchise and have not spent a dollar this offseason, 
might be shopping Luis Arias, the guy that was injured in the Philly series, so we didn't see him at his full strength, but the guy that was threatening hitting 400 during the season. One of the best pure hitters in baseball. If you like, if you said, you know, the Phillies can go after a rise, I don't know how in the world it would work. I don't know what you do, to be honest. Maybe you move Harper to right, Castellanos to left, Marsh to center, Bohm to first. Yeah, I have no clue how that works, to be honest. But, or maybe you move Turner, put Trey Turner in left, teach him left. I'm speaking somewhat sarcastically. Arise to second, start to short. But seriously, if you can add this guy to the lineup, that is a... I I just don't... I get why they have to shop him. They're screwed money-wise. They have no true broadcast partner or no entity that owns their broadcast rights, which affects money. No one goes to the games. So how can they spend money? They're losing Arise. They're losing Solaire. They reportedly were shopping Lazardo, their star pitcher. It sucks to be the Marlins right now. It really does. But whoever pounces on that, I think, will end up getting a, a good deal or the good side of the deal. The Blue Jays, Mets, and Red Sox are looking for multi-years. I mentioned Soler, for Jorge Soler. I don't want him on the Mets because this guy terrorized, or would terrorize, I feel like, the Phillies at home. Put Soler on the Red Sox. Give the Red Sox a pure power-hitting righty that can just go crazy with with the uh, the monster, the green monster and left. So that's that. And uh, Hector Neris, old friend, what I teased, looking for $50 million. And it was a weird tweet. It looked like the Yankees were going to sign him. I would I, I would want Hector. I would. 50 mils a lot. Now, there have been some people that express concern about some of the stats show that he could be regressing. Whatever. I would take him. He's looking for a three-year $50 million deal. I think that's too rich for the Phillies. I think that's far too rich. But he's, I mean, he's one of the one of the guys, him, Hicks, Stevenson, who I believe is also off the board. A lot of those bullpen pieces are starting to fall or have already fallen off of the board. So there you go. I mean, that's what's happening. I also just, in real time, got a notification that the Astros are, quote, making a push for Josh Hader. That would be something. Um, Again, I think whoever signs Hader is, like, Signing Josh Hader is gross mismanagement. Putting a guy like that in the back end of your bullpen for the amount of money it's going to cost and a guy that will only pitch when it's a save situation and will never enter before the ninth inning or never go more than three outs, just not a guy I want having to rely upon in those moments. He's nasty, but not my kind of reliever. So if the Astros do it, then... I mean, it'll work for the Astros because they're the Astros, right? All right, let's let's uh, let's step away. We close it out next. On the clock, some news about television. That's coming up. All right, welcome back in. Ben Kenny on the clock. News breaking. Um, and, and by the way, we'll be back, obviously, next Friday and every Friday, as we always are. News breaking. Joe Pompliano put this out. He's just an aggregator on Twitter. It was, I, I forget who it's broken by. Excuse me. But it was um, confirmed and broken by a bunch of places. Whatever. Big news this morning that Amazon is reportedly acquiring a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group. Diamond being the Bally Sports affiliates everywhere. Minnesota, um, L.A. for some of the teams, San Diego, Arizona, all throughout Texas, all throughout Florida, in Atlanta, so on, so on, Detroit, Wisconsin. Literally, one of the biggest media conglomerates that is going bankrupt and it's negatively affecting as we have explained here how teams how the baseball teams can operate in free agency and with their payroll so Amazon is acquiring a minority stake it looks as though the 37 teams which again all over the country baseball basketball hockey will start being aired and played on Amazon Prime which I think like I don't know the exact business I don't know the exact effects but my official take after just reading the very surface level part of it is that it's a great thing. These games need to be watched, and there has to be some way to not even the playing field, but giving the smaller market teams a chance when it comes to earning revenue from their games. They're never going to compare to the Dodgers or the Yankees or even here in Philadelphia. 
Um, they didn't compare to the Red Sox, but now the Red Sox ownership got cheap. But there has to be, like, this is a good step to even the playing field. And it's it's a valuable thing to keep the sport alive. Like, the games have to be watched. When games cannot be viewed, you lose fans. It's that simple. And baseball's not going to go to Peacock and stream $23 million for a game. That's what the NFL can do. Baseball has to operate differently. So I think it's good news. I do. I don't want Bezos controlling my life, but I do think it is good news that this happened. And hopefully it ends up, we go towards some sort of sharing model that can help everybody um, excel. All right. That's going to do it today. We appreciate everybody hanging around. We'll talk next week. We hope there is a move made. Until then, see ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.